uh, welcome to General Conference Conversations, the podcast where we have conversations about General Conference. I'm your host, Kaylin, and I'm super excited to be here with you studying the words of our living prophets, apostles, and chosen leaders. I've loved listening to podcasts about Come Follow Me, and I saw a need for a podcast centered around the General Conference talks. Um, I'm not a scholar, I'm not an expert, I'm a 20-something who just simply adores the gospel. The things I discuss are my opinions. Um, As one of my favorite podcasts, At Last She Said It, often says, your mileage may vary. In addition to my connections and thoughts, I will include a list of questions at the end of every episode as a place to start with your own deeper study of each talk. And I hope this podcast will be a jumping off point as you apply these principles to your life. In that spirit, I invite you to read and study today's talk before listening to this episode. Listen for what the Lord is saying to you personally. Then come join me for a beautiful discussion together. Welcome back again. Um, this one's coming to you a little bit later than I expected, but that's okay. Um, as always, I encourage you to read the talk that we're going to speak about today before you listen to this, um, just so you can get your own thoughts and inspiration and etc. etc. Um, so the talk we're going to talk about today is by Sister Roberto from the morning session of this last April conference called We Are the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I love Sister Roberto, and I loved this talk. Um, deeply loved this talk. I just love how genuine Sister Roberto is and how vulnerable she is. I remember her talk from 2019, October 2019, I believe, where she talked about mental health and talked about like her father's suicide and was very open and vulnerable and honest. And in this one, she's kind of the same way she talks about her conversion story. Um, She was 26 when she first went to an LDS church. She had just separated from her first husband and she had a three-year-old son. And then three weeks weeks later, she's baptized. Um, and she says, three weeks later, I made the baptismal covenant with the Heavenly Father and started my journey, journey as a disciple of Christ, although my life had not been perfect along that, although my life has not been perfect along that journey. And I love the phrase disciple of Christ, um, because, I mean, that's what we are striving to be. Right? We're, just, we're striving to be his followers, his disciples, to talk about him, to become like him, um, and to do as he did, to follow in his footsteps. And it's also kind of void of denomination as well. Um, it's not someone's specific Christian denomination that is a disciple of Christ, right? We're all striving to be like Christ and I don't know I just think the phrase brings people together more than divides them and I just really really love that like I love that idea of of bringing people together 
through being, you know, disciples of Christ. Um, and it also, I think, changes, changes the way I look at my, like, church worship. You know, it's not, oh, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and we're missionary people and so I better do missionary work. It's like, no, I'm a disciple of Christ and I love Jesus and I want to tell people about him. Or, at the very least, I want to be Christ-like and be kind to everyone, regardless of political affiliations, religious affiliations, you know, whatever, everything like that. And so, it just changes the way that I see how I'm following Christ. It's not because I have to, because I'm a member of the church. It's because, you know, I love Jesus Christ. And I loved what he did while he was on the earth. And I love what he does for me every single day of my life. And I want to be like that. I want to love people like that. I want to accept people like that. I want to root out hate and... Um, you know, contention, and I want to stand up for the people who don't have a voice. Um, and so that's the first question I have for you today. <laughs> what would change in your church life, or even just in your life in general, if you started thinking of yourself as a disciple of Christ? How would that change the way that you see your church life, your life as you go about your day, as you interact with people at work, at school, um, with your kids, with your spouse, with partners, with friends, with family, um, you know, how would that change? How would you think of yourself as, you know, how would you think differently of yourself and as other, and of other people, um, as a disciple of Christ? Um, and so yeah so she starts she continues on and she talks about the blessings of of joining the church how it has blessed her life um she says uh, my branch was filled by covenant members and was ready to embrace me and my son as we were brought to the savior nourished by the good word of god given opportunities to serve and those three thong- those three things um, are also talked about in preach my gospel and so I heard that a lot as a missionary you bring them to the Savior nourished by the good word of God given opportunities to serve especially with people who are just converted to the church or just baptized right um, and so but you know you think about those three things are so important you're bringing them to the savior and how do you do that you nourish them with the good word of god who is the word of god jesus and also what's the word of god the scriptures and words of prophets modern and ancient and um testimony meetings and lessons and you know on and on and on the word list goes on and teaching them how to receive their own revelation and giving them practice and receiving their own revelations so that they can have their own word of God for their life. She also talks about, I think she talks about her patriarchal blessing in here. Maybe she doesn't. Just kidding. But also patriarchal blessings. Like, those are so important. My patriarchal blessing is so important to me. 
Um, I don't read it as much as I need to, or as much as I should, but those are words of God for me in my life, which is so incredible. And then given opportunities to serve, people want to be needed. You know, people long to help people. And especially after they've just learned of Christ, right, and they're striving to be that disciple of Christ, to be given the opportunity to serve like Christ did, to be a disciple of Christ is really important. And so, that's my second question, second and third question for you, is how have you seen these things in your worship? Does your word do this well? Um, Do you do this well? Do you do this well for yourself? Like, do you need to be brought to the Savior? Um, Do you need to nourish yourself with the good word of God? Do you you need opportunities to serve? Or do you need less opportunities to serve? (laughs) Is it overwhelming for you? Like, how do these three things play out in your life and in your ward? And then, how can you assist converts and longtime members of the church with these things um we tend to either focus on converts too much or not enough in my opinion and what i saw as a missionary and as a member you know either they are love bombed and absolutely 100 percent accepted into the ward and they're given to friends they have friends immediately and they just love everyone everybody loves them or they kind of fall off the face of the earth after a couple weeks and people forget about them and the same thing happens with members people who have been members their entire lives i have a really good friend who was a couple weeks before she left the church for a while um she since has come back and is a like full-time member again but a couple weeks before she left she went and talked to her elders corn president and was like um so my brother and i don't have ministering brothers and you know what's up with that and the elders corn president was like oh well we don't have enough brothers to fill all the ministering assignments and like you and your brother are fine like you're strong members so we, we just didn't think it was going to be an issue and she's like and i looked at him and i told him if that's how you're, if that's how you're gonna be an elder school president, you're doing it wrong. And then I think that was either her last week or like second to last week at the church, because people didn't know that she was struggling, <laughs> and you know, not that maybe she probably wouldn't have talked to people about it if they had asked, but like, you never know what's going on with someone. You never know how strong someone is in the church or how much they are struggling um because we tend to not let it on (laughs) um and so those three things are important for everybody to be brought to the savior to be nourished by the good word of god and be given opportunities to serve so um and then she goes on to talk about she says while talking to a friend going through a difficult time i asked how he was surviving financially In tears, he replied that his bishop was helping him use fast offering funds. He added, I don't know where my family and I would be if it wasn't for the church. I replied, the church is the members. They are the ones who willingly and joyfully give fast offerings to help those of us in need. You are receiving fruits of their faith and determination to follow Jesus Christ. 
I adore this. <laughs> I absolutely adore this. Um, I follow someone on Instagram. And she says this all the time. She's like, we are the church. We as members of the church are the church. We are the body of the church. And it's hard sometimes to separate like the institution of the church you know the all of the workings and the profit and all the organization and the actual like day-to-day stuff of the church to separate that from like the members of the church and to separate that from like the doctrine of the church um because it's all so deeply intertwined right but those are all three separate things um that are deeply intertwined but don't always go you know off of each other if that makes any sense um they do but not always and so like if you meet a member of the church who does not represent you know our belief on I don't know I'm blanking um isn't a good representation of like the body of the church the doctrine of the church right who is mean or unkind or you know is not a representation and you might just meet that person once and they're having a really bad day you know um and so just people are people but i really love the idea that we are the church that we, the members, make up the church. You know, sometimes we're like, oh, well, the church said to do this. And it's like, okay, but, (laughs) like, but what does, you know, the doctrine say? And what do your fellow members say? And, you know, what comes down from the top isn't necessarily, aren't necessarily the feelings of every ward and every person in the church. It's just, Obviously, we all have our own opinions and our own revelation and our own experiences in the world and yada, 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 on and on and on. Um, and her next paragraph is also really amazing. She says, my fellow disciples of Christ, let us not underestimate the marvelous work the Lord is doing through us, his church, despite our shortcomings. Sometimes we are givers and sometimes we are receivers, but we are all one family in Christ. His church is a structure he has given to guide and bless us as we worship him and serve each other. And I really loved that too, of like, you know, God works through us. Christ works through us. We are his hands on earth. It goes back to being a disciple of Christ, right? Um, sometimes we're givers, sometimes we're receivers. And it's really hard to be receivers sometimes. And it's really hard for us as a disciple of Christ. <laughs> to be like oh no no i'm supposed to be serving people all the time well guess what jesus took naps jesus let himself be served he let people wash his feet um and and he was humble and he learned from people and he learned from god and you know uh, his, his church's structure is given to guide and bless us as we worship him and serve each other. I just adore that. Like, it is the structure behind how we can serve as Christ served. Um, 
there's strength in numbers and there's strength in having people who don't know the same thing as you and um, have different connections and different abilities and different um, talents and know-how and knowledge and all that stuff and the fact that we have a structure that we're all there and we have the access to all of that is really really amazing um, and then she calls about the Relief Society and she goes on later to talk about as this is like all the organizations of the church but at the moment she's talking about just the Relief Society and she says Relief Society is not limited to a room in a building, a Sunday lesson, an activity, or a presidency at the local or general level. Relief Society is the covenant women of the church. It is us, each of us, and all of us. It is our global community of compassion and service. Anywhere and everywhere we go, we are always part of Relief Society as we strive to fulfill its divine purpose, which is for women to accomplish God's work in individual as well as collective ways by providing relief. Relief of poverty, relief of illness, relief of doubt, relief of ignorance, relief of all that hinders joy and progress. Similar belonging exists in elders' quorums and organizations of the church of all ages, including our children and youth. The church is more than the buildings and the ecclesiastical structure. The church is us, the members. We are the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, with Christ at the head and the prophet as his mouthpiece. The Lord has said, Behold, this is my doctrine. Whosoever repenteth and cometh unto me, the same is my church. And whosoever is of my church and endureth of my church to the end, him will I establish upon my rock. And I also just love that. Like, I think that really just speaks for itself. But, you know, it's not just, oh, I go to Relief Society on Sunday. You know, the Relief Society was a society. It was a society for charity work. To, to help those in need in the church and out of the church. They partner with the Red Cross. They partnered with... They stored grain in, like, the early church and helped with, like, grain shortages during the war and, like, just crazy amazing things, right? And the Elders Quorum and other, like, youth organizations also do that. Like, it's not just, like, yes, it is partly to in class on Sunday and to learn from each other and I love the discussions we have in Relief Society and Sunday School but it's also you know to be part of something bigger and to have a structure like she was talking about earlier to have a structure to provide relief relief of all that hinders joy and progress and I just I love that anyway um and she goes on to say the teenage boy told his mother when I was little every time I gave one dollar in tithing I thought that with that one dollar a whole meeting house would be built isn't that silly? touched she replied that is lovely did you picture them in your mind? yes he exclaimed they were beautiful and there were millions of them my dear friends let us have the faith of a child and rejoice in knowing that even our smallest efforts are making a significant difference in God's kingdom our purpose in his kingdom should be to bring each other to Christ. Um, and she said, do we not all have afflictions that can be brought to the Savior's feet? While some of us have physical challenges, many more battle with emotional strife, others struggle to nurture social connections, and we all seek respite when our spirits are challenged. We are all afflicted in some manner. 
we need each other and we can bring each other to the Savior's redeeming healing. And it reminds me of the quote, and I try to look it up and I cannot find it anywhere. So if anybody listening knows who said it, my best friend quotes it all the time and I just could not find it. Um, but it says something like, isn't it amazing that God uses us to bless his children, like trusts us to bless his children. And I just love that. It was, we've been talking about this whole time. And what she's talking about this whole time is like, we are God's hands on this earth. And I was reading in Ether, chapter 12, which is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Book of Mormon because there's so much in it. It is chock full of amazing stuff. And I studied a lot on my mission. And I was reading it yesterday. And it's uh, Ether 12.4, which is the, you know, if you... Um, um, I'm going to butcher it. I thought I knew it, but let me make sure I actually read it correctly so that I don't misquote the scriptures. It says, Wherefore, whoso believeth in God might have with surety hope for a better world, yet even a place the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. And I've always loved this, and it's brought me a lot of comfort, of like, well, if I believe in God, then I can hope for a better world. And that's true. Absolutely is true. But I realized this time that, this time around, that they're talking about the better world they're talking about right here, is not this world, it's the world to come. Because the very next section, he says, With a surety help for a better world, yet even a place at the right hand of God. They're talking about the afterlife. Like, but then they talk about, Which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. So they're talking about the next world. Like, we believe in God. And so we hope and we have faith in an afterlife, right? An afterlife with God, to live with God. But that hope cometh of faith, makes an anchor, I cannot say that word today, to the souls of men, which would make them sure sure and, my gosh, sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. That faith and hope makes us act differently, right? Like we talk about faith that works is dead. It's like, okay, faith by itself is a good thing, right? And, but that faith, if we have a true faith in Christ, and we have a faith that, you know, he loved people, and he served people, and he is going to give us a righteous judgment, and that he loved everybody, <laughs> he accepted everybody, that faith in him makes us change our actions, right? Like it changes the way that we see people, changes the way that I see people. That if, you know, if Christ was standing right next to me, and I believe that he would accept the person standing in front of me, then I have to accept the person standing in front of me. Not have to, but I choose to, because I have that faith in him. Um, that we are the change in the world, 
like we hope for a better world here because and we can make a better world here by loving people and by following Christ's example so anyway and doing that (laughs) on that note she quotes um Alma 7 um I know these are lifted other people other places but this is the footnote they give um she says as the peaceable followers of christ we are striving to become of one heart one mind and to be humble submissive gentle easy to be entreated full of patience and long suffering temperate in all things diligent in keeping the commandments of god at all times full of faith hope and charity and abounding in good works we are striving to become like jesus christ and that's a long list (laughs) And those are all hard things, being humble and submissive and gentle and easy to be entreated and patient, long-suffering, temperate, diligent, faith, hope, charity, bounty, good works. Like, that's a high order, obviously. Like, Christ was a perfect example to us, right? Um, but, but it's a cool, it's a cool list, right? It's, I love that it's, it's listed out for us. Um, I mean, obviously this is not a comprehensive list of ways to become like Christ, but it's a good place to start. And so that's my other question for you today is, how can you develop these things through your church service and encourage these things in those around you? Um, we live in a very divided world. We live in a very angry, violent divisive world and it's hard to be around people sometimes (laughs) and I honor boundaries so like obviously if you're at a place where your mental health cannot be around people or around certain people honor your boundaries and honor your mental health um Christ is not expecting us to burn ourselves out in his service right if we burn ourselves out we have nothing left to give for ourselves or for anybody else but these are really amazing ways to be accepting of all people in the world regardless of their opinion on things um, and whether they you know agree or disagree with you to be humble to be submissive to be gentle to be easy to be entreated um, patient (laughs) that's a hard one um and long suffering and abounding in good works like it's hard right it's hard to um to do these things i just looked up the word entreat because i wanted to make sure that i like fully understood that word so to entreat someone is to ask someone earnestly or anxiously to do something so easy to be entreated easy to be asked for something approachable right people are going to come to you with questions and they you want them to come to you with questions right patience temperance diligence in keeping the commandments of god faith hope and charity and abounding good works all those ways are hard (laughs) really hard um, and it's not going to work with everybody. There are people who are just, are going to be contentious with you. And that's, you know, that's when it's okay to walk away. Like, you have to know when to walk away. 
Um, but those are also good ways to like to gently have a constructive conversation with people because there's the difference between like contention right which is of satan and conflict conflict is good conflict is healthy conflict when you're in conflict with something in your life when you're in trials you grow and you learn and etc right christ had conflict with people all the time the things that he taught were so controversial controversial and you know against what people thought and the way they lived and so he was in conflict with people they killed him over it right but the contention comes when it's not constructive it's not a two-sided conversation when it's just yelling and bickering and you know pride gets in the way and it's you know i'm right you're wrong right that's contention that's not that's not helpful um but conflict is something different but having those you know the the humility and the um patience and the ability to be gentle gives you the opportunity to still be in a headspace where you can have a constructive conversation with somebody and not want to tear their head off right and it's hard it takes a lot of practice and it takes being really aware of how you're feeling how the other person's feeling um if you have a spirit with you and what the spirit is telling you what, what jesus what god is telling you to do to say and they're telling you to leave because it's not it's not being helpful it's not constructive um or if they're telling you to say something specific, right? Um, the world needs a lot more Jesus, right? <laughs> so, anyway, and then they have, she has um, invitation at the very end. So we may we respond to this inv- divine invitation and joyfully assemble, organize, prepare, and sanctify ourselves. Which I absolutely adore. <laughs> also love that right joyfully assemble organize prepare and sanctify ourselves um so that's really all i have i love sister berto and i encourage you to read or listen to this talk again and you know take what you what the spirit is telling you and add to it the questions that i have um that i kind of came up with in my own study of it i'm gonna re- recap those really quick Um, what would change in your life if you started thinking of yourself as a disciple of Christ? How have you seen these three things in your worship? How can you assist converts in these things, which, um, remember those things were, um, being brought to the Savior, nourished with the good word of God, and giving opportunities to serve. Um, so how can you assist converts and other members of the church, right? No matter, just, just people (laughs) and people outside the church. Um, and then the list that we just went through, the, you know, humble, submissive, gentle, easy to be entreated. How can you develop these things through your church service and encourage these things in those around you? And then, of course, Sister Alberto's invitation, joyfully assemble, organize, prepare, and sanctify ourselves. Um, and I'll, as always, come with your own questions. 
Maybe these questions will like veer you off into some amazing deep dive study. And maybe these questions just aren't for you. That's totally fine too. Um, but thank you for being with me and thank you for listening to me ramble. And I'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of General Conference Conversations. Be sure to follow and share us on um, any social media. And if you like the show, feel free to leave us a review or tell your friends. Until next time.